A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. We appreciate you guys making us your weekly destination to catch up with some of our favorite uh, Atlanta and Georgia guests, uh, both past and present. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. I got no shorts on. All right, good. Here's where we'll start then. All right, uh, do you want me to officially count us in or do you want to count that as the start? I mean, you can do whatever you All want. All right, we, we've started then. That's it. The, the NFL Draft Spectacular show is underway, and Los has no shorts on. All I'm right, naked. Carlos. He's naked as can be, um, which Mel Kuyper's never done a draft preview naked. You guys know that anywhere else. Uh, all right, Los, I feel like we've taken Trevor Lawrence for granted just because we've known for months and years that he was going to be the number one pick, and once Jacksonville had the worst record, that's where he was going to go. So oblige me with like 30 seconds on – how good Trevor can be and how soon? Well, I'll put it to you this way. I have not had a quarterback as the top player in the draft since 2012. And, and as you know, I've been putting together these, you know, these draft guides and everything else for quite a number of years. I've been kind of a draft nut since the 90s. So that's how special he is. I think we all realized that freshman year of his, when we saw him after the fourth game get on the field, you saw the traits. You saw everything that I, I think the only comparison I could probably make it to in recent history is Matthew Stafford, where you went NFL size, NFL arm. But Trevor Lawrence has even more than that. He has movement ability at nearly 6'6". I mean, he's a tremendous athlete. And so uh, I, I guess the, the best way I can sum it up is when people start talking about a guy like Andrew Luck and how clean he was as a, as a prospect, Trevor Lawrence is the next guy nearly a decade later who is this clean as a prospect. So if there's no bust potential, what is the floor then for Trevor Lawrence? Well, I wouldn't want to say there's no bust potential because a lot of this comes down to, in my opinion, how quickly guys mature and how they handle NFL and pro expectations. Some guys are perfect for college. Matt Leinart was perfect for college. That's why he stayed in college as long as he could, got in the NFL, things didn't work out. But, but I think if you want to say if, if it's just about his abilities as a player – I wouldn't be surprised if we see somebody who kind of you know looks like a like a Peyton Manning early on, where yeah he has a struggle for one year. By his second year in the league, he makes that jump, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are a playoff team. That's what you would expect from a guy with his amount of talent. Do years like um, Justin Herbert had, where he just I mean, not normal what Justin did, but it was huge. Does that put more pressure on Trevor to have success right away, or people start jumping? You know, the overreactions will come if he doesn't become an All Pro right away. I think that there is a bit of that because more and more of these guys, because of the college game filtering into the NFL, it used to be the NFL would filter down to college. It's gone the complete opposite way because the college game has been about space for a long time. The NFL is now becoming a space game. 
a guy like Justin Herbert throwing 33 touchdown passes and 10 interceptions, that's as good as anybody in the league outside of your your, your MVP guys. You know, your uh, you know when you've got got guys like uh, Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay going to a different level. Okay, that's the level you now try to obtain. I, I think when you talk about a guy like Trevor Lawrence, as long as you come out and you post one of those typical years, 22 touchdowns, seven interceptions, something like that, something like what Baker Mayfield did as a rookie, you know you're headed in the right direction. So let's talk about Zach Wilson, who, and I'm going to fall into the draft cliche, and we'll count how many I can do during this interview, but I've heard that he has the biggest boom or bust potential because of the style that he plays. So tell me about the early part of his career where he goes to the Jets. They're probably not going to be very good. Is that going to be a lot of mistakes, and, and how much is that going to mess with his psyche? I think having Robert Sala as a defensive-minded coach is going to help some things for him because part of the problem I think you had with Sam Darnold in, in New York, you did give him some offensive minds, and then they tried to basically have him be that kind of quarterback without any weapons at all. That, that was a thing. Uh, you know, losing Robbie Anderson in, in free agency, they just didn't have any weapons around him. They were awful as far as their receiving core. So when you talk about Zach Wilson, as long as they treat him in a conservative fashion, give him some tight ends, give him a running game. I think about Cam Newton when he came in the league. One of the first things Carolina did, they went and got Greg Olson to give him another tight end to work with. Two tight ends, a couple of running backs, and then you start really expanding the guy's game from there. The big problem that I think when it comes to Zach Wilson, when we talk about bust, it's all about injury. He is a smaller guy, and he does move around. And so, you know, if you go through my draft guide, you'll see a history of thumb injuries, shoulder injuries that date back all the way into high school. Had to deal with them at BYU. He's still dealing with them now. His left shoulder does need surgery. Uh, that's the sort of thing that you want to make sure that you keep that kid from getting hit a lot early on in his career. So are you buying the Mac Jones to San Francisco stuff with Shanahan? And, and if so, tell me what Shanny sees that everybody else, well, they like Mac, doesn't like him as much. Can I give you both ends of it? Because there's a, part of me that, there's a part of me that says there is no way in hell that you're going to take the 45th best prospect in this draft. There's other people that, that like Mac Jones more than I do. Uh, I, 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 even, I think I saw Dane Brugel had him at like 25th. So we're talking about the 25th or the 45th or whatever you think best prospect, third overall. I would doubt that that happens. But here's the other side of that pancake. I love bringing this up. Kyle Shanahan is so vain that you talk about a, a guy in Steve Sarkeesian, the former Alabama offensive coordinator, who was basically told when he went to Atlanta, learn this Kyle Shanahan offense, replicate it, make sure we're running it. That's what he took to Alabama. That's what Mac Jones had all the success in over the last two years, most notably the last year, was running Kyle Shanahan's offense. So it almost it kind of sets up where Kyle Shanahan would say, why don't I go get the guy that I, in, in, a, in a weird way, helped groom and made him into a Heisman finalist when no one thought he had a chance to do anything along the lines of what Tua Tonga Vailoa did. That's how good I am. I think that's a great uh, scenario, what you just said. Number one, you're right. And Kyle thinks he's smarter than everybody. And side note, he might be. Like, that's how good his offensive mind is. But what you're saying there makes a lot of sense that all the others are saying this kid isn't as good as I think he is. Watch what I do with him. I think there is some validity to that. That's where I, 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 can't out, I can't throw it away as much as I look at him as a prospect. And Mac Jones, he's a, he's a very solid guy in terms of what he does at the line of scrimmage and getting the ball to the right guy. But in terms of athletic ability, arm strength, the ability to throw the ball anywhere on the field, he is by far well behind all the other top quarterbacks. But that might not be what Kyle Shanahan cares about. Kyle Shanahan might be saying, that guy is the best to run my offense because he's already been doing it for two years.
Los, do you think there is any part of Shanahan's mind that in the back of it, he knows the injury risk with a mobile quarterback that he saw with RG3? Could that play into this at all? I, I do think that that 2012 season has to be a factor because, remember, that was the year that we really had so many of these mesh games at the line of scrimmage where that became the biggest thing. It was it was Colin Kaepernick that was doing it. It was Robert Griffin uh, who was doing it. And it was those guys end up getting banged up. Now, we don't see that as much in the NFL anymore. Some people run it near the goal line because it does give you uh, at least a numbers advantage. So we see it at times down there. But remember, Washington was running that all over the field. That was their base offense. So I do think that there is that, that standpoint where Kyle Shanahan is kind of in between. He needs a guy who's a good enough athlete to threaten the edge. Uh, even with a guy like Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan is not great at running bootlegs, but he's good enough at it, and you saw what happened in 2016. If he gets a better athlete at it, suddenly it starts spreading the field even more and starts stretching the defense out, sideline the sideline even more. So I think he's, he's always looking for that happy medium. He needs a guy who can operate his offense, but he does want somebody that does have some athleticism. All right, so now we'll play this under the if premise that if Shanahan and the Niners take Mac Jones, the Falcons are on the clock, and I'm going to ask you to do this both ways. What would you do, and what do you think they do with the two quarterbacks being Fields and Lance on the board, the best player on the board, which everybody seems to believe is Kyle Pitts, and the trade option out there? What do you think they will do, and what would you do? I would take Justin Fields. That's where I am. Justin Fields. Uh, and, and Trey Lance are both outstanding prospects. I have Trey Lance, I think, 12th overall on my board. I have Justin Fields, I believe, 6th overall on my board. So I would not have a problem spending the 4th overall pick on that particular player and then allowing him to grow within my system. Everybody who brings this one factor up, they say, why would you draft a guy that you don't play for two years? The bigger problem in the NFL right now is what happens when you draft a guy and you put him on the field after four games? That's when you're doing damage to these guys. I, I, I bring up Ryan Tannehill as a perfect example. Played too early in Miami, got hurt too early. Now he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Why? He got some time. He got in the right system. Now things are working out for him. Not every player is ready to start week one in the NFL. The, the Baker Mayfields, the Kyler Murrays of the world – you you end up in a position where I think you start threatening their long-term future if you get them on too early. That's what I would do. Now, the Falcons, it might be Kyle Pitts. And for me, he's the second overall player in this draft. I love his game. If you want to go that direction, I can't argue it. For me, I would want the long-term security of a quarterback. Follow the podcast, Spark, on social media for live updates as new episodes hit and behind-the-scenes looks at all our shows. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Podcast Park. I want to talk about one of our great sponsors at The Rhodes Group. Yes, my buddy Clayton Rhodes and The Rhodes Group are a proud sponsor of us here at Welcome to Atlanta, and they're also my insurance company. Uh, it was about, I don't know, four or five months ago now that I finally realized why am I paying so much for my home and car insurance? I don't think we realize as the consumer we should be shopping or having somebody in a professional setting shop those rates for us. So I had the professionals at the Rhodes Group shop my rates and they ended up saving me a boatload of money. I'm talking about $2,000 for my home and car insurance. By now you guys know it's a great time to refinance your home. You see all those rates? Well, you might not know it's also a great time to shop your home insurance. Home insurance rates creep up every year, and the only way to get the best policy and the best rate is to work with an independent insurance agency like the Rhodes Group. Here's the deal. You can get up to 10 insurance quotes in 10 minutes from the Rhodes Group at no cost to you. You want to visit them online, i got a special landing page for you. You can go to Rhodes-Group 
Rhodes.com slash churnoff. It's spelled R-H-O-A-D-S. Rhodes-group.com slash churnoff. You can also see the link up at Real Matt Lana on Twitter. They're my insurance company. They're going to do this at no cost to you, and you're going to end up saving a boatload. The Rhodes Group is the answer to saving money and getting the best in insurance coverage. Again, the Rhodes Group is the place you want to go. Tell them Matt sent you. Go to Rhodes-group.com slash churnoff. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. All right, let me follow up on that because you and I are on the same page about this. And I don't think through the years enough focus has been on how bad the Cincinnati Bengals were, not Achilles Smith and how messed up the Raiders were and not Jamarcus Russell. like Things like that aren't accounted for. We just go right to he was a bust, and your point there is worth bringing up. I think being in 2021, social media, no patience. Like Aaron Rodgers sitting for three years could never happen now. Justin Fields, people would lose patience uh, if he's not on the field after eight games and Matt Ryan goes through three games of a struggle. I think the environment that we're in, is as much to do with these teams knowing they can't be as patient and, and sit a guy for a year or two. And it's also this as well. I think we have a very hard time uh, as NFL fan bases letting go of our gladiators. And Matt Ryan has been a gladiator. That is what he is. He, he, he brought stability to the franchise that has never been had in this town for a franchise that started in the 1960s. I mean, that's how big he's been. But I bring that up to then say this. Do you actually remember Brett Favre's last year in Green Bay? They were 13-3, and three, Matt, mm-hmm. and they moved on from him. And so that, that's what you bring up. You know, a guy like Alex Smith was 11-5, and five, and yep. they moved on from him. That's where you have to, to realize, hey, I'm going a different direction. It might be better. It might not be better. But we have to start taking this chance because we have given this athlete – 14 or 15 years to make this happen doesn't mean it won't happen somewhere else doesn't mean it couldn't happen here but i gave you a crack at this for quite a while and now i have to to remake my team and the only way in the nfl that you can remake your team is with a new new quarterback and especially a cheap quarterback that allows you to build your team completely differently well no that's that's the other part of it right with matt being 40 plus million over the next couple of years i've put my agenda my matt propaganda out there for a while that if it's me and I'm the franchise, I've got priorities. And the first priority is I've got to clean up my cap. I've got to draft really well. And by the time both things happen there, my quarterback, whoever I drafted, would be ready to play. So that's my agenda. But let me remove that for a second. Let's talk more about Kyle Pitts because maybe you know the momentum is pointing towards that being the pick. And Los, I don't think anybody has a negative thought. Like, If there is a negative to Kyle Pitts' game, do you have one? Because I can't see it. 
Uh, I'm only concerned about concussions. Uh, and again, it, it, you had a situation that cost him a game, uh, concussion-like symptoms. That's about it. Because this was a player that in his previous year, when we're talking about you know 2019, he was left off the list of the best tight ends. And he's sitting back going, how did this happen? Okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show up in 2020, and I'm going to show you that I'm the best tight end in all of college football. And he was. He was incredible. And I, I think calling him a tight end, is a little bit demeaning for anyone who wants to realize what he is. He's a outside receiver. He's a big tight end. He runs a little bit of H back. And for anyone who then says, well, he doesn't block. Uh, tell me the modern tight end, in the NFL, who's the receiving tight end, who does every NFL team now runs with, if we got two tight ends, this is our move tight end. This is our blocking tight end. Baltimore for years has been running three tight end sets. One of you guys is going to catch the football. The other two are y'all are going to block. And the Falcons have those blocking guys. They do have a couple of guys in, in Hayden Hurst and Pitts, if he's on the field, that would make them a matchup nightmare. Well, you mentioned uh, what the blocking tight. They made a trade for Lee Smith, which at the time I went, what a weird move to pay a million bucks for a mid-30s tight end. But if you take Pitts, wow, it allows you to be more flexible when you go with those P uh, big t uh, tight end sets. So, Arthur Smith, I'm sure, would be just drooling over the fact that he could put that guy in all those different spots that you mentioned. Tell me what that would look like schematically with him on the field, Julio, Ridley. How would they play games with that? Anytime you move Kyle Pitts inside, it's, an, it's a problem for the defense. There are very few guys in this league that would be able to stay with him. The, the NFL, what this is what has become of the NFL. There's very few of them. I, I slash linebackers that can cover. The problem is there's very few of them. I, I bring up the name Buda Baker uh, in Arizona. He's one of those guys who can do both. Uh, the reason why I love Jeremiah Wusu Koromora out of Notre Dame, he can do both. So we're talking about maybe four or five guys in the entirety of the NFL that you can say, okay, you're singling up against Kyle Pitts because we can't double him where he's playing. You handle Travis Kelsey because we can't double him where he's playing. That's the problem that is going to be out there for about 26 NFL teams if Kyle Pitts is here. There is no way defensively for a team to be able to handle him. You can't double him. You can try and single cover him with a linebacker. They won't catch up. You can try a cornerback on him. He's too big. They, you need one of those hybrid defensive pieces, uh, and, and there's just not a lot of them out there. So that being said, with teams, as you said, most times in nickel these days and having to account for those pieces, I would guess at that point, and I'm not being dismissive to Mike Davis or whoever they draft, decent running backs should benefit just because the math of it gives them an advantage, right? You're only going to have two linebackers on the field on a regular basis, and you're going to have a light box every single time. That, that's, that's what the math of it tells you when you have a guy like Kyle Pitts. It, it's just it's a matchup nightmare. It's a problem for everybody. It's just one of those deals where he is so special that you force an entire defense for a week to basically plan an entirely different set of plans than they normally would. Because every other tight end in the league, for the most part, outside of you know, San Francisco, Kansas City, and possibly Atlanta, you can figure out a way to defend them. And those three, you've got a problem. All right, I want to ask you about your big board in a second to, to give me a rundown. But one more question on the Falcons. I never thought the offensive line thing made a lot of sense. Now, just you know, typically if there's a stud left tackle or a tackle on the board, yeah, you'll say we'll kick somebody inside and we just want to get better on the O-line. But, Lois, the problem I've had with this, two things. Number one, paying Jake Matthews left tackle money to then say you're going to play guard, I don't know if that's great value. Having a rookie on the left side or the right side again for Matt Ryan at 36 is one that, that concerned me. And I know it sounds easy to say kick a tackle inside. Carlos, I don't know that Caleb McGarry profiles as a guard that can move in the zone block scheme that they want to run. 
No, he's too big. And fortunately, at the top, if you were to, let's say, move down the board, Rashawn Slater, at, at what his size is at, everything about him says he can play guard in this league. He's a, He was a left tackle over uh, at Northwestern. You can watch his game from, from 2019 against Chase Young. You'll see a really good football player. I think he can kick inside and play guard. Panay Sewell, for everyone who kept telling me he's 6'6", 330 pounds, he's a prototype left tackle, the problem is he got measured out. He's barely 6'4". He can play guard. There's a possibility there, and so I'm, I am against the idea of kicking Jake Matthews inside. I don't think that's good for Matt Ryan. I certainly don't think that's good for Jake Matthews. And the next time he wants a contract, he's going to say, I'm a left tackle. I'm not a guard, but any of these younger guys, I think can kick inside. The only one that can't is Christian Derisaw from Virginia tech. So if you're talking about a team in the Falcons, that if the crazy package comes from new England or Denver or anybody along those lines, and they decide to move down the draft board, I'm not going to consider Derisaw. I would consider the other two guys because they can play inside for me early. But you wouldn't do it at four, only in a trade scenario. I would consider Panay Sewell because he's that talented as a player. I, I like I have him right now as my fifth overall player in this draft, and so he's he's definitely warranted uh, the, the you know the considerations at the fourth overall pick. Just for me, Kyle Pitts is a better player than him. That's why if I'm going to take one or the other, I would take Pitts over Sewell. Okay, so run me through your top five. What's the big board look like? Uh, I've got Trevor Lawrence, number one overall, Kyle Pitts, number two. I have Zach Wilson at three. Jamar Chase shows up at number four, and Panay Sewell, uh, number five. The only other – this is the, the big note I would put out. Uh, my first defensive back doesn't show up until eighth overall in Patrick Sertan. Uh, that, that's, that's where we're going to see a ton of offense. I, I brought this up quite a bit, brought it up with you and uh, with uh, Chuck and Turnoff. Nine teams averaged 28 points per game last year. All of them went to the playoffs. The last five years – Every team, with the exception of one, it was Tampa in 2019, who averaged 28 points the last five years. All of them, except for Tampa, have gone to the playoffs. This is now a crazy offensive league. So, all right, I want to get six through ten, and then I want to bounce around to some of these names. Who do you have at that uh, next five spots? Uh, Justin Fields I have as number six overall. Rashawn Slater, the left tackle guard from Northwestern, I have at seven. Again, I don't consider him and Sewell that far apart. I've got them at five and seven. Uh, Patrick Sertan over at eight. I have Devontae Smith at nine. And my pet cat, my favorite defensive player in this draft, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora, 10th overall in this draft. And I have been hearing buzz now about maybe possibly Carolina or Denver. Wow, that's pretty high. Look at you. Um, All right, so talk to me about Devontae Smith. We had a discussion about him on the radio that – we, we know how talented he is. The size thing's not coming as a shock to anybody. We knew he was this size at Alabama. But when I see the numbers on paper and I see six feet, 166, as much as he is a skilled talent, I don't deny that. Man, that size just scares me because I better have the right OC who's going to use him in the right ways, or I just don't know if there's longevity there. Yeah, you'd have to be concerned with, am I running a lot of stuff inside the numbers? Just because at that size, I, I think about what the guys with the greatest show on turf did. You know, Torrey Holt, uh, Isaac Bruce were not the biggest guys on the field, but they got down every single time. I just remember, you know, Oz Hakeem would catch yeah. a pass over the middle right to the ground. That's the sort of thing in this league. Remember, there's only so much damage you can now inflict to receivers when they're in the open field making a catch. There's a whole lot of different rule changes that make it different. Catching the football in, in 2021 versus what it was in, let's say, 1990 when we used to have the you know NFL feel the power films, watching guys get destroyed over the middle. It's a different league. And so if you tell me that for Devontae Smith, if he's got Marvin Harrison-like qualities, and I think he does, and Marvin Harrison played at 175. He wasn't huge, but also he wasn't 166. 
then I like him as a player. And, and for me, he's in my top 10. I like him better than Jalen Waddle. I think he runs better routes. I think he's a little bit more explosive in terms of when he's just running his routes. Uh, for me, I feel better about drafting him, but I will always have that issue in my mind of going, what happens when I start having him run these dig routes and things like that where you typically take pressure from a safety? He does run great routes, though. Watching him in college, I mean, that was precision stuff for a kid so young. Okay, uh, Jamar Chase, the LSU receiver. The opt-out didn't hurt him. People are in love with his size. If you're Cincinnati at five or Miami at six, and I think both could go offensive line or weapon, what would you think happens there? Uh, so when I, and again, I, I really honestly hate mock drafts, but I feel like almost I have to do it. You know, everybody who has any kind of board or anything else has to do one. I had him at six going to Miami. I think Miami made the move down the draft board, moving away from three. Three was too early for a pass catcher uh, when you talk about a, a, a quarterback rich draft. They move to 12. They jump back up. They're back over to six. Six makes a lot of sense to go get that weapon. I think the one thing is when you have a young starting quarterback in the NFL, once you realize this guy has some ability, now it's about getting him more weapons. Devontae Parker's a really nice player they have in Miami. Now let's go get another elite receiver and let's see what we have because you never want to be that organization, similar to what happened with the Jets and Sam Darnold, where they look back at it and say, why didn't we get him enough weapons to find out what he's about? You've seen it here in Atlanta. Atlanta's always made it a point. Let's have talented receivers around Matt Ryan, and you saw what you've got. You've gotten a really great career. Don't be that team to not provide your young quarterback with some weapons. And so that's where I think Miami is going to take care of Tuatonga Bailoa and give him a pass catcher in Jamar Chase. Follow the podcast park on social media for live updates as new episodes hit and behind the scenes looks at all our shows. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the podcast park. I want to talk about one of our great sponsors at the Rhodes Group. Yes, my buddy Clayton Rhodes and the Rhodes Group are a proud sponsor of us here at Welcome to Atlanta. And they're also my insurance company. Uh, it was about, I don't know, four or five months ago now that I finally realized why am I paying so much for my home and car insurance? I don't think we realize as the consumer we should be shopping or having somebody in a professional setting shop those rates for us. So I had the professionals at the Rhodes Group shop my rates and they ended up saving me a boatload of money. I'm talking about $2,000 for my home and car insurance. By now you guys know it's a great time to refinance your home. You see all those rates? Well, you might not know it's also a great time to shop your home insurance. Home insurance rates creep up every year, and the only way to get the best policy and the best rate is to work with an independent insurance agency like the Rhodes Group. Here's the deal. You can get up to 10 insurance quotes in 10 minutes from the Rhodes Group at no cost to you. You want to visit them online, i got a special landing page for you. You can go to roads-group.com slash churnoff. It's spelled R-H-O-A-D-S. roads-group.com slash churnoff. You can also see the link up at Real Matlana on Twitter. They're my insurance company. They're going to do this at no cost to you, and you're going to end up saving a boatload. The Rhodes Group is the answer to saving money and getting the best in insurance coverage. Again, the Rhodes Group is the place you want to go. Tell them Matt sent you. Go to roads-group.com slash churnoff. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Matt Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. 
Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. All right, let's bounce around the board. I'm going to get your thoughts on Elise uh, Ojolari in a year where we're just devoid of, of edge rushers. Where do you think he lands? I, I think he's going to be in the middle teens. Uh, I think anywhere from, from 14 to, to 22 makes a lot of sense. A, a lot of this comes down to Aziz Ojolari runs the arc better than anyone in this draft. With the production, you have so many edge guys. This is the problem that I had uh, when I was putting all of this together. So every single edge guy I can make some sort of issue with. For instance, if I was to say uh, Pay, Quiddy Pay at Michigan had pretty good year in 2019. 2020, he had no production, had one and a half sacks. He was always around the quarterback, but never got him on the ground. Typically, if you can't sack the quarterback in college, you don't sack him in the pros. It's just kind of one of those things. Jalen Phillips over at Miami, production, but there's a concussion issue there. So I've got to worry about that. Uh, Jason Owe out of Penn State, where's the production? So a guy like Aziz Ojolari, the fact that he's 6'2", means that he's smaller than what I want, but he led the SEC in sacks. There's production over two years there. So that's where I think that he's the safer guy out of anybody at the top, but not one of these guys really warrants a top 10 pick. Let me ask you about the running backs. It seems there's only one that probably is, you know, top 20, top 25, maybe even first round worthy, but there's not a, a, you know, a great number at the top. So maybe somebody will reach. Where do you think Najee Harris and Travis Etienne fit in? I think the Pittsburgh Steelers make a ton of sense for Najee Harris. I think the the way they want to run offense, I think the way he's able to catch the ball out of the backfield, I, I think he makes a ton of sense there, especially when you are talking about if this is Ben Roethlisberger's last year, give him a running back, give him a running game. You've seen how good he's been when he had that style of uh, player in Le'Veon Bell when he was at the height of his powers. Give him that type of player. Remember, the only knock on, on Najee Harris you wonder about the long speed. Can he run away from defenses? He did have some long runs this year, but he hasn't been timed in the 40. He's not doing it, and so everybody kind of wonders, can he run away from NFL defenses? I know he can catch the ball, but I know he's effective running off tackle. I, I want to see more. As far as Travis Etienne, I think he makes a lot of sense. You know, Somewhere in that early part of the second round where somebody realizes there's a home run hitter here, but you do have the, the fumble concerns. He did have quite a bit of those during his career, and a, a guy that doesn't run well between the tackles I have to make sure that I already have somebody on my roster who is that guy so that he can be the luxury piece in my backfield. Let me ask you about the Falcons in the middle round, second and third round, which are still such quality picks because they have so many needs. It's so hard to pinpoint where they go. They could go offensive line. A guy like Landon Dickerson is interesting. They could go running back in the second or third round. They have a, I mean, they need a huge upgrade at safety, Lowe's. Do you have any kind of players sort of in that area, especially in the second round? We'll start there for the Falcons in the mid-30s. Yeah, for me, it all depends on what happens with their top overall pick. If they were to move down the draft board and, let's say, pick up a Patrick Sertan, I'd say, okay, cool, they did that, they got some picks. If they don't, both of the Georgia cornerbacks are screaming, take me in the early part of the second round. Eric Stokes, uh, I have him in my top 50. I think he's a really fine football player. Uh, you know, Tyson Campbell obviously has the prototype size that everybody's looking for at 6'2", but even if you don't go that direction, there's a ton of guys that can help you in the early part of that second round. Uh, Richie Grant 
if you're looking for a, a center field type of safety, I like him. We'll kind of see where he goes. If you need help on the uh, offensive line, Alex Leatherwood, who played left tackle over at Alabama, looks more like he's going to play guard in the NFL. Obviously, the Falcons have a need there. They can go that direction. Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame, more of a prototypical left tackle, right tackle, might be able to kick inside. And then what you're going to find throughout the third and fourth rounds are a ton of guys that are cornerbacks that can help you. Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky, uh, Rondale Moore, the wide receiver from Purdue, a little bit smaller, but he's a, he's a little tank out there. There's so many guys you're going to find in the second, third, and, and, and possibly when you talk about wide receivers and cornerbacks into the third and fourth rounds that can help you and be possible starters. Let me ask you one more about the second round, and then I want to get some third-round options, but edge rushers, a guy like Quiddy Pay or Joe Tryon, are those potentials in that spot? I think you start going down the, the Joe Tryons of the world from Washington. That's the guy that I think, uh, in my opinion, is going to be somewhere in that 25 to 40 range. The, the fascinating part for me here, Matt, so this year, you know, I, every single year I always say, okay, here's the uh, number of first-round picks that I have in this draft. I have 19 guys that should be first-round picks. And after that, everything from about 20 to 45 is what do I need, what do I like? And so, for instance, there's a, there's a guy I like out of Houston, Peyton Turner. Nice edge player, uh, can definitely help you, will be a rotational guy. I never would say he's going to be 10 sacks at any point, but he's probably a good player playing on the edge for the, for the Atlanta Falcons. Well, that's a guy that could go anywhere from 25 to 45, depending on what the team is and what they're looking for. And so that's, that's kind of the, the players you start looking at. It comes in that second round of what did I not take care of on day one in the first round? What do I need to take care of as far as starters in the second and third round on Friday? So if, if the Falcons a, attack another position, a, a safety, a, a edge rusher, offensive line in round two, Los, give me a couple of running backs that you think if they wanted to go in round three that would be in that range. Oh, you know what? The kid out of Ohio State has been my favorite the entire time that we've been going through this process. I, I, yeah, just because of the size. I, I like the size. I like the production. Trey Sermon makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you have another running back out of Memphis that I've really liked during this entire process as well, where I, now I've got a little bit more of a receiver option. I, I think yeah, a lot give, of this give me is... Si Kenny Gainwell, what kind of size Kenny are you Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell is, is, is sitting right around 5'11 and about 195 pounds. He, okay. he's, not, he's not the over 200-pound, 200 215-pound bruiser, but Kenny Gainwell can play running back and receiver. Like, you'll see him go out and run receiver routes. He's a matchup nightmare for anybody. I, I think the important thing for the Falcons, in doing what they did in the offseason, and I'm a big fan of this, there are teams that make splash moves in free agency where you go get the big name, you signed him, all right, you know, the confetti falls, and then you still got to draft. A lot of free agency, in my opinion, is shore yourself up so that you're not desperate for a particular uh, player in the draft where you say, I've got to come away with this uh, with a running back. I've got to come away with a tight end because I didn't sign anybody in free agency. The Falcons, with their limited amount of resources, were able to shore up enough places that I think they can go and say, you know what? I think this guy would work perfectly with who we've already signed. I think Kenny Gainwell would be a perfect fit uh, to go along with what we have in our backfield. Uh, I think that's that's where, and to me, in the third and fourth round, that's what I'm looking for. I don't know if there's one glaring thing. Obviously, we want to help the pass rush. Secondary needs to get better. But I don't want to be sitting there in the first round or the second round going, I absolutely have to take this player because I don't have one on my roster. Do you like uh, one or, or both of the North Carolina backs? I like them both. I'll take either one. I'm totally fine there. It, it, you're talking about a little bit of a different flavor with each with each one of them. Either one of them is going to be fine for me just because, in my opinion, I'm adding a young set of legs to the backfield. And, and right now in Atlanta, you know, outside of drafting Ito Smith and, and, and taking guys in the, the fifth and sixth round, 
really haven't had in recent memory that kind of guy. We have to go back to what, Tevin Coleman? And, and now it feels like ages ago when you drafted a guy like that in the third round where you added that kind of power. Look what happened during those years when you took a, a, a you know, Tevin Coleman uh, and you had Devontae that you took in the third and fourth rounds. You added this dynamic element to your offense. That's, that's what you can do once again with Arthur Smith. Los, let's finish up with the quarterbacks because we know all the attention has been given to the top for good reason. What about the middle rounds? Tell me where you think guys like Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond or Jamie Newman, some of those guys fit in. You know what? I think Jamie Newman really hurt himself by not playing. That's that's the the long and short of it. Now, we, we had heard during the offseason, hey, he's possibly going to try and challenge like a second or third round pick. And that would have been obviously having that kind of talent playing at Georgia. Everything I now see is basically fifth and sixth rounds. And I think the word's kind of out. Uh, him not playing and then not having a good explanation for it is going to hurt him. For me with Kyle Trask, the, the production's there, obviously. that That's fun to watch. He's got the size. He's got the ability. I think there's just a little bit of stuff that's missing that you typically find with second-round quarterbacks. The second-round quarterback typically doesn't move as well as the first-rounder. The second-round quarterback, second quarterback typically doesn't have as big of an arm as the first-round quarterback but he can still be solid. That, that's where I think that for any of those teams that might miss in the first round, they might take that developmental flyer on Kyle Trask and say, all right, let's move forward with him. Kellen Mond is the big X factor for me because there's tape on Kellen Mond where you say, this guy can really sling it. Like he's got a good arm and he's got movement skills, but all right, where's he going to play? Uh, you know, and, and what's, what kind of system are you going to put him in? Are you going to let him move around within it as well like he was able to do at a and I think that ends up being one of those developmental guys where, to me, if I have him as the backup quarterback on my roster and a developmental guy, I think I feel pretty good about that if I get him in the fourth round. Plug the uh, off-season guide because this will be a great week for people to go see the draft uh, information and all the stuff there. It's uh, at two places, 680thefan.com. It's also on my website, frontofficefootball.net. You'll see that big blinking light where you just click on it for 2021 NFL Draft Guide. Top 50 board on that, obviously with breakdowns of every single player and every single one that I then uh, assign to the board uh, with pros and cons for each. And hopefully in years, uh, years gone by, we'll then go back and go, wow, you totally hit that or you totally missed it. Either one, I'm fine with. Folks, there's no better guy. I mean, Los uh, dives into this stuff. We love to have him a part of it. We can't thank you enough for the uh, draft spectacular. The check is in the mail, my friend. Love you, Matt. Thank you so much. I'm going to put my clothes back on now. Get dressed. There he is, our own front office Los. Guys, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks to the great folks at the Rhodes Group. Remember, the Rhodes Group is where you want to go to have them shop your insurance rates, both car and home. They did it for me. At no cost, they will do it for you at no cost, and they can save you a bundle of money. You have nothing to lose and only something to gain with the Rhodes Group. You can go to the Rhodes Group, uh, check out their great website. You can go to my Twitter page and find out the information there with a landing page right over to find out how they can get you 10 quotes as quickly as 10 minutes. Thanks to Brian Murphy for producing the podcast, and thanks to you guys for making us your weekly destination. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Madlanta. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming uh-huh. And parties don't stop yeah. till 8 uh-huh. in the morning This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning Determination is winning A passion is now a thriving business And it shows no signs of slowing down 
How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a Mad Men's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 